Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Where are we right now? I'm in my home studio. So I'm safe. I got a dog next to me. I feel good. No more politics. Okay. Well, believing that the world is not going to end the next 48 hours. Okay. Great. Let me introduce to you a sojourn, if you will. An escape to the land of podcast. Land. said land too many times. Excited about today's show, though. And it's funny because uh, my guest on today is someone who I have uh, I've kind of worked with. And we're going to talk about it when she gets in here. This is a woman who well, grew up in Texas. It's effectively a child star, singer, actress, dancer, everything. Came to LA to pursue her dreams in the entertainment industry and then was struggling, like a lot of people who come to LA, for a very long time. And then she did something that was probably kind of out of the ordinary for someone who is trying to be an actress and a singer. That was going to a reality TV show. But that reality TV show led to the formation of one of the biggest pop groups ever. She got a new book out right now called Finding Your Harmony, Dream Big, Have Faith, and Achieve More Than You Can Imagine. She's got a new Christmas song out right now. She's going to be doing the uh, Thanksgiving Parade, and I'm sure so much more. So coming up on the Wells Cast, an episode you do not want to miss. From Fifth Harmony, it's Allie Brooke. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know what. God, if you show me, God, if you tell me, God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. 
I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, Sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There you go. Hey. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing great. Allie Brooke, welcome to the Wells cast. You know we've met before, right? Duh. Okay. You, I was about to ask, do you remember... Okay, you remember the last time we were together? We did a chemistry read together. Yes, for that show. Is it happening still? <laughs> I don't know. It was supposed to happen, and then COVID hit, and that was kind of the last I heard of it. But yeah, for everyone out there, Allie and I did a chemistry read for kind of like this reality TV show thing. Yes. What did you think about the whole experience? <laughs> um. Well, I thought it was definitely interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was fun, but I felt like, I don't know if I was good for it. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like I uh, would probably get too invested in, like, all the stories and it would be too much craziness for me. And I would feel so bad for the person. But I remember a girl came in, right? And we did, it was yeah. a crazy <laughs> I don't know how much we can really say about it because the show really hasn't happened. But effectively, it was Allie and I investigating relationships. And we were supposed to be helping these people. For everyone out there that doesn't know, like a chemistry read generally for like a movie or whatever, like let's say they've got like cast one person and they bring in other people to see like what the chemistry is like. Now for this show, no one was really cast. They were just seeing like who fits well with who. But what's weird about it was that there was also a third person of whom we were supposed to be like investigating their relationship. Their relationship was fucking weird just in general. So we were all just like, we were all just like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You put it perfectly. It was definitely a lot. I was grateful for the opportunity, but I probably wouldn't have been the best person for it. I think I would have been overwhelmed. <laughs> if everyone's wondering, neither of us got the show, so it doesn't really matter anyways. But things seem to be going well for you. I saw that during the pandemic, you wrote a book, whereas I just gained 15 pounds. So... <laughs> Well, I did that too. You know, we all did. <laughs> Man, it's crazy. Um, I'm just like, I cannot believe it. You know, I've been working on this book for over three years and it's been hard to really just give my all into it because I didn't really have the time pre-pandemic. We're all over the place. We're traveling, you know, our schedule's just nonstop and you really focus on one thing at a time. And that's like, several things in one day. But with this book and with the timing, it gave me the opportunity, you know, in quarantine to finish my book. And it almost did not happen, which is so sad and scary to think about. If I didn't have the time that was forced, you know, upon us all, I wouldn't have finished it. I felt like this was the best time to finish it because I learned so much and I had time to sit with my emotions and feelings and traumas and all my past experiences. And really, during this time, it's so perfect to have a book out about hope and about love and about faith and redemption. And it couldn't have worked out more perfectly, you know, as far as the timing, because that's the that's the 
the story of my book and the purpose is for it to bring people joy and hope and love. And it just so happens it came out during this time. So it's awesome. Well, congratulations. It's a very, very large undertaking to write a book. You're really young still. And the fact that you were able to pump this out amidst all the other millions of things that you do is, is quite impressive. It's called Finding Your Harmony, Dream Big, Have Faith, and Achieve More Than You Can Imagine. You can order right now on Amazon. This came out and all of a sudden I started seeing a lot of press clippings about this book and about the things that you kind of have divulged about. Did yeah. you think that it was going to kind of make as big of a noise as it has? I don't think I really did. I knew that people would probably have their judgments and, and stuff, and I was nervous about that. And when I knew my first interview, you know, I knew I had talked about that. I was like, okay, let's just pray, <laughs> you know, because talking about saving myself from marriage and, and stuff. Um, I was like, okay, to my team, I don't want to know what people are saying. They're probably going to judge me and make fun of me, and I don't need that right now in my life. So I'm just going to stay strong and look ahead. But actually... I was informed and then I later saw that so many people had so much support over my personal choice and belief. It was so amazing to feel that love, even though people have their own different walks, you know, and their own choices, which I make very clear, I never judge anybody who's, who has a different choice in mine. I just chose to share my decision. It was really awesome to feel that love from so many people and respect, even from people who I thought, okay, this person's probably going to make fun of me. But no, they were so loving and kind. And it was amazing. Um, so yeah, it's kind of my take on that. It's such an interesting thing. We were just living in like the weirdest of times. But the fact that we're living in a time where you're talking about like your faith and like your personal choices to, you know, save yourself for marriage. And the fact that, that the first thought is, People are not going to like this. I mean, it's actually kind of sad, I guess. It's like anything in the entertainment industry right now. You're, you're kind of damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. You know, yes. if you went and said, you know, I've been sleeping around with everybody, then it would have been like, shame, shame. But then it's like, but I don't sleep with anybody. And it's like, shame, shame. Like, wh what do you guys want? What, like, what is the perfect amount of sex that I'm supposed to have as Allie Brooke? <laughs> Tell me what the number is, you know? <laughs> That's so funny. It's so true. And in this business, especially, you have to have a, a thick skin. And I feel like I finally, even though I'm working on myself, you know, all the time, but I'm finally at a place in my life. And I mentioned this in my book where I'm owning who I am, living out my truth, living out my life and accepting myself and my choices and just who I am and who I want to be as a person. and someone in the entertainment business. And it's really incredible to be at this place where for the most part, I'm comfortable with who I am and my flaws and everything that I have to, to work on kind of owning that, you know, but yeah, you, you totally are like both ways, you know, it's yeah. like you can never be good enough or sometimes you're too good. It's one of the two, but I've been thankful to get, I've been really, really blessed to get a lot of support is what I feel. So thanks to every person who's loved on me and rooted me on. It really means a lot. That's awesome. That, that is the takeaway because we live in this, this like clickbait society where I can see it going the other way. And that's kind of the sad part of the reality of the world in which we live. But I also think that that's kind of your book is essentially the antithesis of that. It's all the good and, and positivity that you can take out of the world in which we live. And I will say this, it's impressive that you are so, for lack of a better term, a child star that's normal because they, they are few and far, I'm engaged to one. They are few and far between, okay? I know, wait, so you're still engaged, right? Yeah, we, COVID, yeah right? we were supposed to get married and then, you know, the COVID happened and then so now we're just kind of sitting around. Last time I remember, I was like, oh my gosh, congrats, and you are planning. Well, I'm sorry that this hit. I'm sorry for many people. Yeah. Um, but at least, you know, y'all are making the most of it, you know, and that's all you can do, really. Yeah. I want to go back to the book a little bit, and I want to get away from the thing that everyone was talking about, which was your decision to save yourself for marriage. When you look back on the book, what is one of the more profound things that you talk about that you think a lot of those readers out there are really identifying with and, and loving? Ooh, what has spoken to me 
so much is I have seen people from all different walks of life, different ages, message me or I'll be on interviews and they have shared how my story, one, they didn't know that I went through a lot of the things that I've been through in the entertainment business, but also just in my personal life. And they are going through their own version of that, whether it is insecurity or online bullying or a sickness in the family, or uh, they're also, they're proud to say that they're also a premature baby like I was. So many different things, or they're just feeling lost right now or hopeless. The most amazing thing to me is that my story has helped them, help them to know that it is possible to overcome anything, to overcome what's in front of you right now, inspiring them to pursue their own faith, but mostly just people resonating with different stories. I mean, even just the story of a reconciliation with my grandpa before he passed. I didn't think that was going to happen ever. I didn't think I'd see that in my life. And I accepted that. And then my mom and us, we reconciled with him during his last few days. That has resonated with a lot of people, just knowing that healing's possible, miracles are possible, um, forgiveness is possible. That's been the most rewarding thing. And it just, it gets me emotional just talking about that. But that's, again, the true purpose of this book is to bring people joy, hope, and light because we need it. I know how hard this life can be sometimes and how hopeless people can be. I mean, I see messages every day of my fans saying they feel like giving up or they don't feel good enough. They don't feel pretty enough. They don't feel like they're ever going to amount anything. I felt all of those things, but you can overcome and you can get through it and you can live your, your, your fullest life. Yeah, that's the most beautiful thing. I think what's good about books like these from people like you is for a lot of people, when they look at Allie Brooke, they think, wow, she lives this absolutely crazy life. She's, she was in Fifth Harmony. She was on all these TV shows. She's doing this, these national tours. She's going to be performing at the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Well, her life must be so glamorous. And I think that when people get to normalize you a little bit, it's helpful for them. It happens a lot in the reality TV realm. I notice this, my life in comparison to Sarah's life. Sarah is a television star. And so she is not as relatable as I am. I'm just, I just put myself on TV, you know? And so when people come up to us, it's much easier for them to talk to me than it is for her because they don't really know her. They know Haley from Modern Family, but they know Wells from The Bachelor. This book, I think, is a great delivery method for that to normalize you to those people. And then for them to realize that you're going through things that they're going through, I think makes it so much easier for them to be like, if Allie did it with all these things swirling around her, then I can definitely do it, you know? Absolutely. And that's exactly what you said is is 100% correct. And you tear down these walls and these labels and you really humanize me or whoever you're reading about. <laughs> um, and you really, um, you know, I'm taking down the label of Fifth Harmony member. I'm taking down the label of, you know, Dancing with the Stars or just Allie Brooke the singer and really getting to who I am and the root of who I am and what makes my heart beat, what I believe in, what's changed my life, what's helped me to live a fuller life. And most importantly for me, one of them is highlighting the people who have changed my life, like my parents, like my teacher, third grade teacher, like Dana Barron, <laughs> all the people who paved the way for me to get to where I am today to live out my fullest dreams. Yeah, sure, it's my story, but it's not just my story. It's my family's story. It's the people who helped me along the way. You see so many characters and so many fun moments. You get to meet my family, my big, wonderful, crazy Mexican-American family, and you get to see our traditions and why it's important for me to to share who I am, you know, why I'm proud of my family and heritage and all that. There's so much that's uncovered here. And I love that. Just like you said, you just get down to the heart of who I am and my story. And that's so meaningful to me because I'm a person, you know, I have a lot of different feelings and emotions and experiences and hoping that someone can 
be inspired through everything I write on each page. Order Finding Your Harmony, Dream Big, Have Faith, and Achieve More Than You Can Imagine on Amazon right now. I'm a big books on tape guy. Is there an audible version and are you voicing it? Yes, both. <laughs> Get it, I will read to you. <laughs> You'll definitely have some laughs. You'll have some funny moments and then you'll have some tears. So get out the tissue. But it's uh, it's really fun. I haven't listened to my audiobook yet. I don't know if I want to. <laughs> it actually was very hard. It was because it was like you have to be so detailed and you can't zone out for even one second. You have to be in it. But it's really cool how, you know, you just put all your effort into it and you try to read your own story the best way that you can and make it as exciting and fun and moving and real as possible. I hope I made it special for my fans. It definitely came from my heart. So yes, guys, get the audiobook. I'll read to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I imagine it's also extremely cathartic to read something like this out loud because it's your story so it's touching for you. But in the uh, in the other aspect for the listener, they get to hear it from your voice, which, I mean, listen, I've been a radio guy forever. Inflection and tone is everything. If it's your story coming from you, it's going to have a little extra, which I think is really cool. Yes, for sure. That's the best part is that you're telling your own story to the world. You know, the most, the funnest, most exciting parts, but also the most tender, the most meaningful, the most special and the most emotional. And that's like something that, like you said, is so cathartic and something that I'm so honored to do and proud to do and share my mom's story, my dad's story, my brother, my grandma's, all that, um, everything in between. So it's super, super exciting. Very cool. Well, again, the book's called Finding Your Harmony, Dream Big, Have Faith, and Achieve More Than You Can Imagine. It's available where you get books these days. Halloween's over, which means that Thanksgiving's on the way. I saw that you're doing the Thanksgiving parade, which is so yeah. cool. Are you excited? Oh my gosh, yes. So I was able to do it on my own for the first time in 2018, and it was so awesome. I actually write about it in the book too, which is yeah. cool. Um, and I, uh, it was funny because I literally almost froze to death. I was not prepared for how cold it was going to be, but it's okay because I still had the best time. And it was awesome because um, I was, I was, you know, basically frozen. I made a funny video and Cardi B commented on that. And she's like, girl, I thought you'd be cold as hell or something like that. Um, but you killed it. And I was like, yes, that's awesome. But that whole day was amazing. It's been a dream of mine. I do that on my own. And then I got it again this year. I was so excited because um, it's so special. I grew up watching it again, did it on my own. And it's just so magical being in New York during that time. And it's going to be a little different this year, but I think it'll still be really awesome and so much fun. So I can't wait. And then Christmas afterwards, you've got a song out, right? Baby, I'm coming home, a Christmas tune. Yes, that's right, Wells. Yes. <laughs> Um, it's a Christmas song and that's what it's called. It's called Baby I'm Coming Home. And it has that much more meaning now because coming home, being together with your family or your loved ones means more now than it ever has. I'm singing this to my parents and my family and I'm going to be home for Christmas. I'm going to be home with them. And that's the meaning of that. And I hope that this song can bring people that Christmas spirit and uh, that togetherness because we all could use that right now for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> As the world burns around us. <laughs> we need a little positivity. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get to the meat of what this show is, which is origin stories. So we're kind of, I think, probably doing a bridge version of what your book is all about. But I want oh. to find out how the hell Allie Brooke got to this point. And we're going to start at the beginning. You down for that? Yes. All right. Quick break. When we come back, Allie Brooke right here on the Wellscast. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. 
And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, Sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back in the Wells cast, I have Allie Brooke on the show. She has a new book out called Finding Your Harmony, Dream Big, Have Faith, and Achieve More Than You Can Imagine. Also, she's going to be doing, uh, this is so cool, the, the Thanksgiving Parade. You're going to be on Nickelodeon's Blues Clues Float. And just in time for the holidays, Christmas song out called Baby, I'm Coming Home. This show basically is origin stories. I like to find out how people became successful because everyone's blueprint is a little bit different. Everyone's road is a little bit different. But I imagine if you like what you hear here, you might as well just go buy the book because I imagine the book is probably long form of this entire thing. I want to do Cliff's Notes version, Allie. I want to start at the beginning and then then end here. It started kind of rocky for you in the beginning, right? You were a preemie. Yes. I was born a premature baby, weighing one pound, 14 ounces, um, I was so small that I could fit into the palm of my dad's hand. So you can imagine how tiny I was. Wow. <laughs> and um, unfortunately, a lot of premature babies, they don't have a, a high survival rate. And I go into, of course, more detail in the book, but my parents, they were really, you know, nervous at first. And then they felt, you know, a peace and they just had their faith come and kick in. I was a... Uh, And then I was born on July 7th and the doctor came out to my parents and he said, you have two good things going for her. One, she's a girl and girls perform better than boys. And two, she came out screaming, which means her lungs are developed and her lungs should not be developed. They're one of the last things to develop in a premature baby. And so they were amazed at that moment. 
I think my parents like had tears in their eyes and and they like to say that I came out singing. <laughs> so there you go. I think I named that chapter singing from the start because of them. Right away, the doctor predicted that, you know, I would have long-term disabilities and long-term problems in my life, everything from hearing to vision to learning. But praise God, I don't have any of those things. Maybe the one thing that I have, it's called acute hearing where I just have sensitive hearing. But that has actually come in handy with music, which is which is really cool. It's also become annoying because I can't, I hate fireworks and I hate thunderstorms. And in Texas, you get a lot of those things. So that was really horrible um, growing up with. But in the grand scheme of things, that's totally nothing. And again, the positive is that it's helped me with, with music. Praise God that now I'm okay. And I, I try to be in a way, just like a role model for those other young preemie babies. I actually um, met a premature girl at one of our concerts, Fifth Harmony's concerts, a few years ago, and keep in touch with her now. She's such an incredible young girl, and man, she's just so much more awesome and better than I could ever be. She like speaks like Mandarin Chinese, and she's like the top of her class, and like all these things. I'm like so blown away. Um, but that's, you know, what I want to do is be kind of an example for these kids and to show them that you can you can do anything and you can pursue your dreams. I'm doing it, you know. Um, so just to be that that source of hope for them. It seems like you guys all have the same thing in common, which you're all fighters. I mean, that's obviously evident in, just in your career. Do you have siblings? I do. I have one older brother named Brandon, and he actually named me. So I share that as well in the book. He, uh, he was obsessed with the Karate Kid, you know, Ralph Macchio's, um, the 1984 version or whatever. Yeah. The girl in there was named Allie. And so he just loved her <laughs> at four years old. And then he started calling me Allie. And that's where I get my name from. Yeah, I think that's Elizabeth Shue's character, which is... Uh... Yeah, we love Elizabeth Shue. And by the way, I'm watching Cobra Kai and I'm obsessed. <laughs> Have you seen it? Yes. I saw season one. I haven't seen season two yet. So. That's awesome. So you're born in Texas. How long until you start singing, dancing, acting, all the entertainment stuff? So born and raised, yes, in Texas, San Antonio. I love it so much. It'll always be home. Parents are still there. Brother, everybody, grandma, aunts, uncles. And growing up, we were surrounded, you know, by music and by our heritage. You know, my parents, they played the classics growing up, and I forever thank them for that. I think one of the best gifts you can give someone is the gifts of classics. You know, everybody from Donna Summer to Aretha Franklin, Frank Sinatra to Prince and all these different artists. So I grew up with that. And then Selena was my favorite. She's always my favorite. She's a huge hero of us, of, of our family and of our hometown. We celebrate her. We have murals of her and we sing her songs and stuff. So I was surrounded by a lot of rich music. And then at nine years old, because of my third grade elementary school teacher named Mrs. Merrill, I started singing. She asked me to sing in chapel, and I did. And my parents, when they saw me, they were just amazed. And Mrs. Merrill told them, you have to nurture her gift. She has a wonderful gift. And she changed my life. And then from nine years old to 12 years old, I was performing around my city at festivals, you know, our little festivals at restaurants, barbecues, schools, talent shows, everything. I mean, my gosh, every weekend was a performance and my parents and brother were always there to cheer me on. And then at 12 years old is when I, the door was open for me to, to Hollywood. The Hollywood door was opened by a woman named Dana Barron who is the first ever Audrey on the National Lampoon's Vacation movie. Yeah. It's such a cool story. And again, I go so much more into detail with the book. But uh, she really opened up so much for me. And that was my entry to Hollywood at 12 years old. And I went on auditions and also continued to create music and I got signed to an agency and for so many years pounded the pavement, mostly in singing, but in the beginning, you know, to acting. And eventually I had to kind of just stick to one because of everything in my dad's job and stuff. 
those were the formative years for me. The original Audrey from <laughs> National Lampoon's Vacation, is, is she a casting director now? Isn't that awesome? When we met, she was still acting. Okay. We can back up here. I was accompanying my friend to a local talent show audition. Dana was just filling in for a friend as a scout. Then she, I, you know, I was there with my friend, my friend sang, my friend asked me to sing and I was like, no, it's okay. And I think the judges asked my parents if I could sing too or audition and they just respectfully declined because they were like, they didn't know enough about this organization. And then somehow I ended up singing. And then after we were done, my friend made it through and I made it through, but obviously didn't continue on. Um, Dana actually pulled my parents and I aside and said, she had tears in her eyes. She said, I'm sorry, I know this is uh, you know, unusual, but you have so much amazing talent. You gave me chills. I know it sounds crazy. I never do this. I'm here just filling in for a friend. I would love to, to know. I mean, I would love to take you to Hollywood to meet casting agents and directors. And I just think you have a gift. And my parents were blown away. And then we figured out who she was because my mom asked. And we were just like, whoa. And then my parents really had to think about it and pray about it. And then the next day he called her and bam, that was it. But yeah, Dana. That's amazing and bonkers. And also very selfless. She didn't really have a dog in the fight other than that she like liked the song that you sang. But to be like, I'll, I'll go show her around and everything is, oh my God. is just very cool. That's just not Hollywood to me at all. Everyone's out for their own. That's right. And to this day, I mean, I can't put into words what that meant for me and what it did for me. I wouldn't be here yeah. for if it wasn't for people like her. And she believed in me. She gave me that gift at such a young age, such a fragile age. It's extraordinary. And again, being able to highlight those type of people in my books and just give them love and attention and, and the, the, the shout out and recognition that they deserve is everything to me because they sure do deserve it. So you go to Hollywood, you start doing auditions, you start, as you said, pound the pavement. What's the first thing that sticks for you? What's the first thing that lands, that hits, that you're like, all right, this is a thing? It was a harder journey than I had thought. You know, I was a 12-year-old, rose-colored glasses. I guess I kind of just thought when you go to Hollywood, you just, you make it, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, so young and innocent, a oh, little alley, naive. <laughs> And that hit really hard for me. You know, at first it was, it was tough because I was really like the only Mexican American there. And I went to Oakwood, you know, Oakwood, right? The oh, Oakwood yeah. Party. It's where, you know, the end all be all, you know, if you want to make it in Hollywood, you're here. And, you know, my favorite stars stayed there, like Hilary Duff and Dakota Fanning, you know, it was so cool at first, but then feeling like an outsider and not looking like everyone, not dressing like everyone, everyone had awesome friends and they were in movies and TV. And I was this, you know, young girl with no friends. I just had my mom and I had no bookings and I did not look like them. And it was so hard. It was culture shock. It was, oh, as a little girl, it was just really, really hard and challenging. And then I had a, you know, I would go on auditions and stuff and it was a lot more cutthroat than I was used to. And back at home, you know, you're used to you're friends with everybody and everybody lifts each other up, you know, for the most part. And so it was very shocking. But I would go on auditions and I would get callbacks, which was awesome. And I always came close to getting the role, but I never got it. I continued to go on auditions, but never got anything. And then mostly started to focus on my music and recording with whoever I could in Los Angeles. My parents balancing, going back and forth while my mom was dealing with her scoliosis and that agony every day. And that, I mean, my gosh, the pain of traveling and even just, you don't think about, you know, beds or, or flying, but for, you know, someone who has an illness, you know, like scoliosis, every single thing matters, even just walking. So you can imagine how hard that was for us. And then, you know, not having friends and missing my family and missing our pets at home. It was a lot, but I continued to be in the studio and, record, record, record. Eventually I would perform in middle schools and high schools. And that was so awesome to see like the kids actually reacting to me um, at such a young age. Cause you know how teenagers are. They're so, they're honest. If they don't like you, they're going to show you. That was really cool. That was something that was very exciting to see is when I would perform making, you know, kids feel a certain way or even adults. That was something that I felt was 
always there and, and for the most part consistent that even though I hadn't had a record deal yet or, you know, anything that really stuck, that little things like that kind of kept us going that one day, one day something would, would happen. And then at 14, I became 1500 or nothing. Uh, they're artists. They like signed me on a handshake and they work with everyone from like Rihanna to Jay-Z. And now, I mean, my gosh, they're, they were at the top then and somehow they out the top themselves. I don't know if I even out topped themselves. They're just working with everyone. Bruno and JT and they're great. They're just, the stratosphere for them is insane. And they're still my friends today. That at 14 was something super exciting. Again, just working, working, working and a lot of performing and recording and then things didn't really work out the way I planned. And then X Factor comes along. So talk about that, because this is obviously a very pivotal, informative moment in your life. Was your team, your management, whatever, like, hey, you got to go on this uh, this kind of like reality TV competition show? Well, my management was my parents. <laughs> was my mom and dad. It was the only, I didn't really ever have a, a team. We, yeah. we looked for people. Um, I think one time I did, but it wasn't like a real team. Yeah. My parents always my compass, my guiding light, they were in ways my manager and they weren't crazy momagers. You know, they weren't crazy dadager. They were, they had so much wisdom that really kind of went beyond what I could imagine. And they got me to that far to all the little victories that I had before I really became successful. My mom was the one who heard about X Factor. My dad and I had watched the first season, loved it, thought it was super cool and different, loved Simon. Um, but never thought of auditioning for that or anything. I didn't think reality TV. I don't know. I just didn't think anything of it. I didn't think that was my path. And then my mom hears that they're coming to Austin, which is very close to San Antonio. She's like, Mama, you should audition. What do you have to lose? And I said, no, 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 no. I, Mom, I'm not doing it. Nope. I'm scared to fail on TV. I'm scared of all these things of what could go wrong, what can go bad. I'm good at doing what we're doing, even though at the time it wasn't, you know, we're kind of at a crossroads. Um, and then she wouldn't leave me alone, <laughs> but thank God she didn't. And I ended up doing the online audition. I ended up praying like, God, please close the door because I don't want to do it. I'll be cool with that. But then I said, if, you re if it's your will, then open it. And then he opened it. Six days later, I got an email that said, you're invited to the live auditions in front of all the judges in Austin. And my mind was completely blown. And I will always thank my mom for that. You go on the show. Do you remember what the judges said to you? Oh, yes. Demi said, your voice blew me away. You sound like Stacey Rico. Brittany said I could be on Broadway. That was like, oh my gosh. She's like one of my icons. And I was just like in awe that she said that. And Simon said, you know, I have a feeling that we're looking at a future star. And I remember crying and I knew, even though I couldn't see them, I knew my parents are crying in that moment because my mom had always said, mama, you know, I know if you could ever sing for Simon, he would love you. And I had prayed that he would. <laughs> and then he did. You know, I'd watched him for so long on Idol since the beginning. And what, that was 12 years because I auditioned in 2012 and I think Idol premiered in like 2001 or something. So again, having that, those dreams, those visions, and then it being right in front of you and then it coming to life was just one of the most amazing things in the whole world that I had experienced at that point. Now you didn't win that season of X Factor though, right? No. So the crazy thing is I auditioned as a solo artist and then I make it to boot camp. I'm excelling through each and every round. It is looking up and I have a real chance of going forward to the live shows. And then whoosh, rug got swept under me. I, or swept under me. I got eliminated. Dreams were over, completely devastated. They caught every second of my devastation on camera as <laughs> reality TV loves to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you see me actually crying and just saying, I guess I wasn't good enough. But a crazy thing happened. It changed my life and we got formed. Simon 
had formed us into a girl group and I was put in a fifth harmony and then we uh, excelled at the competition and made it to the end. So we got third place in the finale, which was insane for a girl group, for just people in general, you know, it was crazy. Yes, but also the success that was fifth harmony, how the hell did you guys not win? Who was second and first in this season? What are they doing? Yeah, I'm just kidding. Oh, no, no, no. We no, of course we wanted to win. We're like, dang. Yeah. But at the same time, there was just this buzz that you couldn't deny behind the scenes of you saw the online presence. I write in my book that, hey, we were one of the first to ever break off of social media. We were one of the first artists ever. I think before that was One Direction. Yeah, Little Mix. And they're really us. It was like the beginning of that era of like fandoms and all that. Yeah, I mean, of course we wanted to win, but we were happy to just make it that far. And that was an achievement on its own. And it is just crazy what occurred. So you couldn't really deny our fans, fan base we had, and the talent that we had with each other. And so I had high hopes that we were gonna get signed. And we did, we found out at the rap party of X Factor on the finale night. And it was like, <laughs> it was amazing. So Fifth Harmony then, you guys toured as a band for how long? So 2012 and then 2018, so six years. But man, were those six years filled. <laughs> it was crazy. We lived like 20 years in those six years. Yeah. Um, we were nonstop. You know, after X Factor, we had to find that right, the right song and that hit and to legitimize ourselves in the industry. You know, not just a manufactured girl group coming from a reality competition show. We had to prove ourselves. We did a lot of work to do that. And it wasn't as easy as a journey as I thought it would be. It was hard because a lot of my identity issues from being younger came back, being in a group, losing my voice, not being able to contribute, you know, on songs um, as much as I wanted or lyrics, even down to wardrobe and hair and makeup. And it's little things that you think, oh, that's nothing. It's just surface. But it actually... It's your identity. It's what you put out there. It's who you are. It's uh, who you are in the group. And there was just a lot of crazy things that happened <laughs> in the group. But I mean, obviously, we achieved such amazing success, like crazy. And we had to work hard, you know, in the beginning, we had to prove ourselves and we didn't have a hit for a long for a while. And then finally, after trying and after basically, we were hearing like, Rumors that, hey, if you guys don't get a hit, the label's going to drop you. You're not going to have a career anymore together. That was terrifying, as you can imagine. And a lot more happened that, again, I, I, I kind of tell everything, all the stories in the book and how we got there. But uh, 2014, um, we get worth it. And that changes our lives. And we go all around the world and we're on the hottest award shows and the hottest radio shows and we're everywhere. And then work from home, bam, that's like a mega, mega, mega smash that we thought our lives changed. That really made our whole entire world change. And it was crazy. It was a ride. We were everywhere, like you said. And I don't know, not mania is the right word, but the um, hysteria that followed was undeniable. It was a wild, wild ride, you know, a lot more harder than I thought. I'm still so grateful. And I have so many memories from that time and positive ones that I've learned from and kept, but we did it. We broke records. We were one of the first groups to cut through and to break through in the last decade. We have over like 4 billion views combined and more on YouTube. I mean, it's crazy stuff. <laughs> It was wild. Like, what can you say, right? It's an amazing run. It's an amazing yes. conception, too. It's just not the norm. And I think it's really, really cool to see a really successful group or anyone or just artists come through the reality TV show world. Because I've seen so many, I have so many friends that did American Idol or whatnot and never happened for them. So it's nice to see there are a couple stories out there. When when everything kind of fell apart and the, the band kind of dissolved, what was your feelings about it? Were you ready to move on and, and start a new chapter or were you devastated? What was your mindset back then? I was really upset. I was not ready. You know, I thought we had so much more to do. 
you know, we had a Christmas album, another album, another tour, another world tour, all these things that I had, you know, hopes that we would do, but it wasn't going to be the reality. And after I accepted that and respected that just magic unfolded, I had realized that, oh my God, the dream that I've had my entire life of being a solo artist is about to come true. My life is about to begin. It was remarkable. It was a joy and uh, an excitement that I had never felt before. You know, I was finally going to move on to who I always wanted to be. After processing all that, that was the emotion. And my life was about to begin. It was beautiful. Like, the possibilities were endless. Also, like, the one thing that, I guess, Fifth Harmony was lacking for you was the ability to have any control over it, right? Like the one thing that you were saying that you complained about was, you know, I wanted to have power over what I was wearing and um, and have more say in this lyrics or uh, sing in this part of the, the song. And it was a lack of power in the group. And then when yes. you go solo, then all of a sudden you regain that thing that was missing that entire time. Yes. I think a lot of people also don't realize um, you go through so much being an entertainer already, but being in a girl group, being controlled by so many different people, having different personalities, but also outside of the, the group, you have label, you have management, you have agents, you have lawyers. It is crazy. Not all the time. It was a healthy space. It was very destructive and toxic for many different reasons and many instances. And all that combined with the, you know, lack of control and identity and all that was you can imagine it was very hard when I was able to, you know, all of us kind of went our separate ways. I started from scratch, started clean with my my team. I had a whole new people around me. I was able to also have a time to really focus on who I was and what I wanted to be and taking care of my mental health, health mental illness, <laughs> my mental wellness and mental health for the very first time. Um, and really just dream big and and uh, take the time for my loved ones, too, that I hadn't been able to connect with in a long time or even old friends and all that. I got two kitties. Like, it's just so many different things that you realize that, oh, wow, I have time for this and space for this. And then assembling the right team it took a while, took a beat. But I finally got that all. And I couldn't have imagined what was ahead for me during that time. <laughs> it was just so incredible and being able to even write about it write about 2018 Allie post fifth harmony kind of assembling her life together assembling the pieces the team the label oh yeah got met with four rejections of all the labels that I met with but guess what another door opened reopened and bam it just led to where where I am now it's it is unreal what God has done. And every day I'm thankful, man, because I couldn't have imagined life like this. I've worked my whole life for this moment to be here. And I have so much left to do. My heart and soul to be here is like one of the greatest gifts of my life. Writing a book like this, you know, you have to be candid. I always say that audiences can smell inauthenticity from a mile away. So you have to be candid. Did you piss off anybody in writing this book? Actually, no. Really? I don't think so. This is not a tell-all. It certainly could have been. Mm -hmm. I can tell it could have been me <laughs> just being like the older one and like observing everything. And also I chose not to name certain people who did inappropriate things to me in the industry. But I did tell the stories that, that I felt were important to share. You know, the insecurities, the inappropriate behavior, the, you know, moments where a stylist would say, go to the gym or you can't, you can't wear this because for me, the story was more important than the who, if that makes any sense. And what I learned from that lesson and how I overcame that and what tools I used to help the next girl or boy who is in their own situation, their own version of that. But no, you know, it's awesome to know that I can stand by something that I'm so proud of that really is all about faith and about perseverance and about love and about forgiveness and about redemption. It's there to, to be a light, you know, and most importantly, show my faith. I didn't want anything to overshadow that. I'm very proud. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for coming on the show and telling your story. If there is one bit of advice for people out there who are listening in terms of your success and what you live by to uh, pass on to them, what would you, what would you say? There are two things. One, my word is believe. And I have a ring and I've, I've shared this in the book that says believe that my mom gave me believe that miracles can happen, that love can happen, that dreams can happen, that redemption can happen, second chances. Believe that you can live your fullest life is what I love to say. And then two, stand strong, stay strong. Sometimes we'll encounter thunderstorms in our life. And sometimes we just have no option but to just stand there and to hold on tight, hold on to that pillar and just even when the, the thunder is striking and the ground is shaking and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm about to let go at any minute or it's about to come and get me. <laughs> the, the, the lightning is going to hit me. But you standing strong, you will eventually see the sun, the rising sun again and, and those clear skies. Especially now, you know, a lot of people have their version of their heartaches or their hopelessness. Just telling them to stand strong and I promise that you will make it through whatever it is. I mean, I've been through everything as I shared from things in my family to cancer diagnosis to my mom's health to rejection, all this stuff. And I'm, I'm here today to tell you that it's possible to make it through even in those moments where you feel like you don't even want to. I promise that there is hope. Just hold on. So that's what I would leave everybody with. I love that. The book's called Finding Your Harmony, Dream Big, Have Faith, and Achieve More Than You Can Imagine. It's available wherever they sell books at this point. Before I let you go, you got time for rapid fire questions? Uh, yeah. Rapid fire <laughs> questions with Allie Brooke. Who was your first kiss? My first kiss? <laughs> um, I don't know if I can name him, but a, a normal person. <laughs> Not a celebrity. Yeah. What was the first concert you went to? Oh, uh, one of them was a Cheetah Girls concert with my friend, and Hannah Montana was opening... That was awesome. What's your biggest pet peeve? Oh, this was before the pandemic, by the way. When people would cough with their mouths open, there's a record of me saying that like last year. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I just like, guys, keep it closed. <laughs> Especially now. <laughs> Especially now. Who's the most famous person in your phone? I don't know. I feel weird answering this. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know, Tori Kelly, because she's, people know we're friends. You know. <laughs> Did you have a poster hanging in your bedroom when you were a kid? I think I had one of Hilary Duff because I loved her and Lizzie McGuire, and I still do. And in my book, you will see that that was the first song I ever performed was What Dreams Are Made Of by Hilary Duff. <laughs> What's the weirdest superstition that you've got? Oh, I have a lot of crazy things that I do. We have to ask my team. Sometimes I, I'm very like OCD, so I won't allow things to be touched twice sometimes. <laughs> okay. It's weird. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> yeah, one of, I'm just weird. <laughs> Last one, who's your celebrity crush? Ooh, um, oh, there's lots of nice, nice options to choose from. Maluma, he's great. <laughs> Hey, where do you, uh, where do people find you? Where do people follow you on social media and stuff? You can follow me at Allie Brooke, A-L-L-Y-B-R-O-O-K-E on all social media. And most importantly, my music pages so that we can listen and dance. <laughs> Allie Brooke, thanks so much for being on the Wells cast. You rock. Your story is crazy and fun and interesting. And listen, if you guys want to dive deeper into her really, truly inspirational story, go uh, buy the book, Finding Your Harmony, Dream Big, Have Faith, and Achieve More Than You Can Imagine. Thank you again so much. It was so good to see you. And uh, maybe I'll see you again in some weird chem <laughs> test for some TV show. <laughs> Part two, for yeah. sure. This was freaking awesome, Wells. Thank you. I could speak to you for much longer than, than now, but I really appreciate it. And yeah. give Sarah love. Mwah. I will. See you, Allie. Subscribe to Wells Cast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. It's the internet. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.